0: This is Perspectives, the show where a look at our differences will sometimes show us instead what we have in common. I'm Condice Presley. In the week to 10 days since the election, there's been a significant increase in the number of reported hate crimes. 400 in just the seven days after November 8th, that according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, they found that harassment was most commonly happening in school kindergarten to 12th grade and on university campuses. Many, though not all, incidents involved direct references to the Republican presidential campaign, that according to the SPLC report. Now, many people have admitted taking a break altogether from social media because of the tone of the post among friends whose candidate either won or lost the election. Now, just the other day, Hillary Clinton made her first public appearance since conceding the election, telling the Children's Defense Fund that her supporters should not give up, should not lose heart, because in her words, America is worth it. Now, our guest today is Linda Spradley Dunn. She is the founder of Odyssey Media. Her company consults with many Fortune 500 companies. This week, she hosted the mega exclusive Women's Business Retreat, uh, um, an event in the black this past week in Atlanta. She does an even bigger event every year in Florida. And, Ms. Dunn, we want to say hello and welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. We are going to talk about In the Black in just a moment. But I read that you and Omarosa are great friends. So clearly, pleased with the outcome of the election, you were correct. I would say that Omarosa and I are colleagues and I have a great deal of respect for her.
1: Okay, And I do because I think that black women, women of the African diaspora, have a right to be on either side that they want to. We have a right to be Republicans, independents or Democrats. I think we make a mistake when we allow people to take our vote for granted as a voting block. And so I respect Omarosa for being who she is and proudly saying I'm a Republican.
0: Were you at all surprised in the reporting in, after the election in the interview that she did with 60 Minutes with the the Trump team and others uh, stating that she'd been, you know, receiving death threats and all sorts of negative energy as a result of her support of the president-elect?
1: Not at all, because people on the other side receive death threats, too. I think it's a statement on the politically toxic, charged environment that we live in now. Um, I take a different take. A lot of people say, well, will this genie get back in the bottle? We've opened Pandora's box. This was always there. And I would rather deal openly knowing what somebody thinks about me, my community, who I am, based just on the color of my skin, than to have it hidden and to have a bunch of diversity task force and know that underneath that is a lot of the rhetoric that we're seeing now. Okay.
0: okay, so in the black is a gathering of female entrepreneurs. You guys talk about the power of the African-American females vote, among other things. You've said, yes, it's important that not only African-American women, but people of any ethnicity should be able to identify politically wherever they feel most comfortable. How do you tackle the uniqueness of the 2016 contest?
1: It's very, very difficult. Most of us, black, white, everything in between, we walk a fine line between wanting to be able to go to work, wanting to be able to market and bid on contracts and not talk politics. It's almost impossible now. I do cherish the days where at least people openly respected that you were coming in to do business and didn't want to talk about your faith or your political affiliation. I used to work at IBM and it was absolutely understood that you didn't discuss politics at work. Politics is now ingrained and a thread in almost everything we do. So one of the things I say to people is, especially small business owners, let's not lose focus. Let's not worry about name calling. Let's worry about the number of contracts the city awarded to African-American Latino women. Let's not worry about dog whistles and actually bullhorn shouts. Let's make sure that supplier diversity programs and initiatives that we fought so hard for don't get dismantled. And let's not worry about one person at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Let's look at the number of women that won in the Senate and start with, who is your mayor and your city council? You control this street by street, block by block. You take a cue from President Obama. He never would have been blindsided in any of those states because you could call up his campaign and they could tell you the block and what was going on there we need to go block by block back as entrepreneurs and small business women
0: what changed because as you just said there were things that you never talked about in polite company money religion and politics and it would seem that at least two of those three are topics of discussion at the water cooler at the workplace at church everywhere and what guidance do you give the men and women who are listening to our conversation right now, as how they might approach those situations in their places of employment.
1: Right. It's very easy. What changed? What changes? America. We're getting browner. In 25 years, white America will no longer be the majority. Change is hard. Change is awkward, and change is uncomfortable. So you have half of the country saying, what's the big deal with work-life balance? My great-grandmother worked. My grandmother worked. Why is somebody making a million dollars off lean in, lean up, lean down? This, this is nonsense. I care about working two jobs and taking care of my kids. Then You have another group that says, wait a minute. I, I like the way America was. I'm not sure I want it as brown as it's getting and now my son reports to a woman who may be a minority and my husband now answers to a ceo of another color change is hard and i understand both sides that's what happened those who are in control are losing a little bit of the grip a little bit of the power and those who are not are saying i want my fair share i did everything you asked i went to the right school i am raising my children i'm paying my taxes it's my turn And we are in for a bumpy ride.
0: Tell me about the things that you were talking to your attendees, your clients about with the In the Black session that you guys had last Thursday in Atlanta.
1: Right. So basically, in the block is a wonderful, fun, upbeat way of meeting other women who are like-minded and just like you. And so when I was speaking with the incredible Coca-Cola company, and they said, we want to reach millions of entrepreneurs um, over the next few years, one of the things I asked Coke is, could it be fun? Could business be engaging? Could it be different? And they said, absolutely. So we focus a lot on the skill sets that you need to be a successful businesswoman. And Coke has done a lot with the 5x20 program and trying to reach women, but we added a little twist. You got to show up in a black dress that can go from day to night. You got to focus on black ink. Do you have a balance sheet, a bank account that will allow you to grow and expand? You need a box of black beauty products that you can throw in your car and go from a business meeting to a gala at night. And I'm really proud that Cody came in with CoverGirl and Sally Hansen and a bunch of those. And then most importantly, you need a black book full of addresses, people and women that you can call on when you get real low, when you're looking for that kitchen cabinet to pull you up, you ought to have them on speed dial. And that's how we created In the Black.
0: And tell us about the success that you've had with them.
1: Just phenomenal. Over 60 million impressions. Uh, as you know, we ended in Atlanta last Thursday night. Um, over uh, 2,000 women doing the experiences, and then we added something new this year. On After we finished Thursday night in Atlanta, on Friday night, women took over the country, Seattle, Oregon, California, Dallas, Pittsburgh, and showed up at House receptions, and then tuned in and live streamed down a recap of the program from the last week. It was incredible.
0: This audience listening to our conversation this morning or this evening, depending upon the time of day you have your radio on, hear this and hear and perhaps understand and may even know African-American women who might be involved with something like uh, your organization and the In the Black Conferences and wonder, well, now... Is there a need for there to be a, a, a an in the white or in the Latino or in the Hispanic? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, what do you all, say to that? Yes. Well,
1: first of all, women of all races are invited to whatever we do. And the re- say that again, please. Yes. Women of all races. Let me tell you, I am here because the sisterhood has lifted me up. And the sisterhood consists of a lot of white women in corporate America that are committed to diversity and white men. It consists of women of All backgrounds, all races, and by the way, all um, ages, as we start to now divide ourselves between millennials and those who have. So we're always welcoming. Um, In the white kind of exists because 90% of the conferences are sort of for white women. Now, with that said, many of them have reached out. I really want to understand multicultural. I don't blame or exclude. I talk about focus. And black women still get less than 1% of angel investments or equity investments. So when you say, well, why are you focused on them? Because access to capital is how you grow businesses. Donald Trump wanted to talk about the decay of the inner city guess what? Our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers, they own chicken shacks, hair salons, and funeral parlors. And many of those businesses closed and left their inner city because they couldn't get credit lines. So I don't care about name calling. I care about banks loaning us money. And that's what I want to teach.
0: So when you teach your clients about how to apply for that loan and get that loan, how do you coach them with respect to the acknowledged systemic racism that does still exist in many of our communities. Right, so the first thing we do, and it's most important,
1: call it out. Stop thinking as you, don't push it down. It causes stress, it'll make you crazy. So the first thing with racism is you acknowledge it. They're going to treat me differently. They still treat me differently. Multi-million dollar, 20 years in business, I'm still treated differently. So then you say, where are the alternative thinkers? Where's the innovation? There's an article out that says now the banks did less than 50 percent of mortgages. People are going to Quicken Loans. They're going to alternative finance. And so for women, you look at things like Golden Seeds, GoFundMe, microloans, families, families with huge trust funds that are now donating back to get the inner city and black women motivated. So you acknowledge racism, you take it, you stick it to the side and you say, how am I going to move forward? Alternative funding is huge, and it knows no color.
0: When you talk about family foundations, one that comes to mind is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Mm -hmm. which will be honored uh, next week with the Presidential Medal of Freedom for so much beyond what he did with Microsoft and Windows. Is that what you mean? um,
1: Yes, and they give a lot of grants. And there are family foundations, though, that give investments. So that's a great example. Um, There is... um, a list if you just go on Google and start looking for uh, family foundations that invest a lot of people are cause related so one of the things I tell small business owners is when someone says to you well what business are you in you can't name 19 businesses we ourselves have to be very focused about what you're looking for and what you're asking for some people call that the elevator pitch but you got to know in your mind that if you ask someone for a quarter of a million dollars and they say how are you gonna help I'm gonna hire three Three people from the inner city and one mom re-entering from rural America. Those are the kind of impact statements now that get funding.
0: What is the one thing that you've learned over the course of your very successful career that you are always certain to share every time you have an opportunity to make impact?
1: I tell anybody that will listen that I almost went bankrupt twice. Sometimes all I had left was prayer drop to my knees, pray, but quitting was not an option. So it is okay to fail. It is not okay to quit. And if you go to that African-American museum and you go in that room called the Middle Passage and you see the resilience of our people, dogs biting at them when they're trying to vote, there is no excuse to quit if being a business owner is in your gut. If it's not, stop crying, get out, and get a nine-to-five job. But staying in the middle, not an option. And it's okay to fail the gospel song says i fall down but i get up so either you're going to fall down and get up or you're going to stop crying about it and go get another job
0: when did you decide in your career in corporate america that you indeed had that entrepreneurial spirit inside
1: eight years old when i was a girl scout and i planned to beat every girl scout and win the bicycle now a couple of my girl scouts had some well-off parents and so they sold at law firms and things along that line I devised a plan, my mother still has the paper on my room wall taped up, putting everybody in my family out selling cookies. It was at that point my mother said, that child is going to run her own company. Uh, Working at IBM, though, was tremendous. You can't really buy that training anymore. And I run my company almost like a mini IBM. That client is always right, stay up to 4 o'clock in the morning, never have a misspelled word, those types of things. But I've known since I was 8 years old that I was a serial entrepreneur.
0: (laughs) We're talking to Linda Spradley-Dunn. She's the CEO and founder of Odyssey Media. Odyssey Media is a marketing and communications company She is a nationally recognized market strategist and innovator. She's been featured in all kinds of publications, everything from Essence to Black Enterprise, The Financial Times, Bloomberg Business, Tom Joyner, which many of you hear here. O Magazine in town this week with her conference, In the Black. How long did it take you to get from... IBM to forming your company, Odyssey Media? 14
1: years. And that's, by the way, that's kind of an average. Back at my time, um, people would leave corporate America between 12 and 18 years. Now, with this uh, new group that we have coming in, millennials, just some of them are bypassing corporate America altogether. Um, and one Is that thing- good or bad? Um, I think it's not so good. And this is why. I hire a lot of millennials. Um, people have to earn the right to work from home. People need to come into a nine to five environment when they're being shaped, in my opinion. Now there's some millennials that jump right out there to start great companies, but everybody's not gonna be Facebook founder. And so the discipline of coming to work, the discipline of learning to work in a team environment, the discipline of speaking up as a woman and getting your opinion through and not being marginalized in a conference room is invaluable. So I'm not saying that people need to be there 12, 18 years, I'm saying it's the cheapest MBA you can buy, which is going to work for a corporation and learning the discipline that you are definitely gonna need when you run your own company. So what was your greatest takeaway from IBM? My greatest takeaway from IBM was people buy from people they like, and I have never forgotten that. With all the skill set, with all the know-how, with all the pretty polished media now, people still buy from people they like, and that's my consumer clients and my corporate clients.
0: Looking ahead (laughs) to what's to come in 2017 and over the next four years, knowing what most of America thought was going to happen and now knowing what has actually happened, how are you reshaping the guidance that you're going to be giving to not only your corporate clients, but Individuals who were thinking about starting a new business in the new year, they've got everything ready, they want to go and borrow the money, they're, they're ready to go. And now thinking, hmm, you know, there was this, this silent majority that was that's no longer as silent. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is not the right time. Is it or is it not? Depends on the business you're going to be in. And
1: secondly, it depends on you. I don't think that anything that happened in this election should affect your starting a business. Your business doesn't depend on a political environment. Unless you're a political lobbyist, then that might be something you want to take away. It depends on target audience, what you plan to sell or market, and how strong your company is. Secondly, we put, as African Americans, and I'm talking to us now, too much emphasis on our leaders, who's in 1600. This is about your game, your rules, your and attitude. If we sit around and wait for the right president to be elected or the right congressman or senator, then you will be sitting and waiting for an entire long time. One of the most important things about being a small business owner is flexibility. And sometimes what looks like a disastrous time is a great opportunity. So one of the things I'm telling women is collaboration. So If we have 19 women who all want to start a STEM program for inner city kids, imagine the strength in the 19 of them forming a consortium and then walking in and say, I dare you not to give us a contract. You get picked off when you're by yourself. If you could tuck your ego, go find Two white women, four black women, a latina a bunch of sisters and say, how can we benefit from this together? That voice is so strong. No, this election does not change your opportunity for business. It gives you more opportunity.
0: So to the degree that there may be some people still at home with their head under the covers thinking all of the talk that they've heard over the last 18 months about uh, a group of people, a political party wanting to take the country back, not really sure to what point in our history, but people make assumptions. You're saying get up and get out because that's not possible? I'm saying not only is it not possible, they you can't take anything
1: I don't give you. Are you kidding? I'm going to sit back and let you go back to a time where the only opportunity available for many of our great-grandmothers and grandmothers were being domestics or things along that line, you're going to take my education away from me? You're going to take my opportunity to incent my daughter? No. You can't take what I don't give you. And if you stay in bed and pull the cover over your head, then maybe somebody will take it. But you certainly are not taking anything from Linda Spradley Dunn because I fought and worked too hard to get it.
0: You know, one of the things, Linda, that has been a challenge in the African American community specifically has been the degree to which African Americans turn that dollar with other African-American businesses? Two questions, one, how did that happen? And two, how can the community begin to turn that around?
1: I'm so glad you asked me that because on the one hand I will hear black elites say, we need to do business with each other, we need to turn our money around. On the other hand, the first thing we do when we make money is we move out of our community. We have made it okay that to be successful, we probably shouldn't always live around each other, that we should always try to get the best house in their community, make our kid the only one in the private school. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be and do the best that you can for your family, but what happens is when our money from blacks that are middle class, upper middle class, and very wealthy, leaves our community, then who's left to put that money back in the community? That's number one. Number two, the government has made it very easy for those to come into our community and buy franchises. Um, People have sat in rooms and strategized, how do we take over the black hair care industry? So now you look, and there's a certain country that first opened stores, They bought them when they were a nickel. Um, They secondly then owned the supply chain. And one of the most important things is he who owns the distribution and the manufacturing of the product makes you a consumer. And then the funeral home business was targeted by um, Mammoth Funeral Home Conglomerates. And you just go right down the list. We don't even own the chicken shack in the neighborhood anymore. So the things that we over-index on beauty, hair, fast food, uh, funeral homes. There were strategies created. And, and by the way, they weren't racial. They were economic. demographic and economic. Nobody sat and said, let's go beat up on black people and all all their hair salons. People said, there's an industry. It's weak. We can first buy the store. Then we'll buy the product line. Then we'll make the product line. Now we will squeeze out anybody that tries to open that type of story in our communities because we own the products. And because
0: the color there we're not talking about was not black. It was not white. It was not brown. It was green. So then now knowing that, mm-hmm. how do you find it right. or at least begin to address it? Because that's something that you can't turn around in a day, in a year, in 10 years, not even, maybe not even in a generation.
1: Right. Well, one of the easiest things I say is, OK, we have to return our dollars. That's very important. But I'm going to give corporations some credit here. Almost every franchise group, um, you name it, they have a program where they say, we want you to own a hotel. We want you to own a franchise. We have to take the emphasis off being a consumer, spending money on instant gratification, and pooling it together. Now, what do I mean by that? So it would be very easy for some of our mega churches to say, we're starting a franchise fund. We want every member in this church to donate $100. We're going to raise 100000 a hundred fifty, whatever the franchise is. We're going to give these three people a chance. And when they make a success, we're going to take that hundred and fifty. This is how neighborhoods do it. This is our community. But instead, we got building funds, people showing up in Prada shoes. Um, we... we but product doesn't give us a lot of jobs. And so what are our seminars on? What are we teaching our folks about? What? How to collaborate. We have enough money in our community to buy three hotel chains, to buy three chicken chains. But what we have to do is educate people as to why that's important. You don't just wake up one morning and go, I'm an immigrant family. We're going to live 19 to a room until we buy that 7-Eleven. Then we're going to get the next 7-Eleven. That's taught behavior. And I fought our community for not teaching. We can't blame anybody for that. We have some very successful people, which is why I'm going around the country on my foundation side teaching how to open a restaurant, how to open a hair salon how to keep it open, because we have to teach that behavior again. We lost that and became very dependent on just being consumers.
0: Linda Spreadley-Dunn, how do people find you at Odyssey Media? How do they find out how to be a part of the the great workshop, the great session that you had this week in Atlanta in the black?
1: Just go to Odyssey,
0: O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y
1: mc.com. You can contact me, You can contact my folks. You can follow us online. And by the way, I give a lot of webinars. A lot of people work. A lot of people can't come to fancy stuff. I got it. So we give a lot of webinars, Access to Capital, December 13th. I'm at the Harvard Club with some of the best minds in the country, but guess what? I'm live streaming it free. So that's how we teach and educate
0: in our community. Linda Spradley Dunn, CEO, founder of Odyssey Media, a woman who is not only talking the talk, you are indeed walking the walk. Thanks for being with us. I
1: really appreciate it.
0: Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, myandalouscondo29, on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.